Welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you today? Hi, she'll have the quarter pounder with cheese, extra mustard, no pickles, and I'll have a 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And, and two, two sides, sides of ranch, please. The we've done this before meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Are you ready? Let's make some noise. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Broad Street Line. I am Roy Burton. Alongside me, as always, my tag team partner and one half of the Can-Am Connection, one Chris Domingo. Mr. Domingo, how are you doing this? As always during the pandemic, air quote, Saturday morning, sir. You know what, Roy? I like we're 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 usually good with just running like a pick and roll, a la um, I guess AI Lucius Harris. But now we got mm-hmm. um, now we got Don McLean sitting down on like the on the wing, ready to hit that three. So you know, some sometimes again, you you got to play the three man game because the two man game is not enough. So you got to go, you got to go free bird rules sometimes. Special guest <laughs> with us in the building, joining us on the show today, one of my good friends. Former teammate of mine over at Liberty Ballers and a newly minted author, which we'll talk about in a second. And I think I'm contractually obligated to also say that he once judged a dunk contest with Daryl Dawkins. Correct. My man, <laughs> Dave Reuter. Dave, how's it going, man? Hey, Dave. Boy, KD, thanks for having me. Appreciate you know, it. You know, it's for those of you who, who know him from Twitter, he is at Where's Ben Rivera, but he is joining us today on our 200th show, by the way. So congratulations to us and congratulations what? to Dave for being our special guest on show 200. Um, he's joining oh, us because... By the way, this is yes. not brown-nosing. I, like, if I were doing a Philly... Tw- if I were a judge for Philly Twitter, like Dave was for that dunk contest, I think I would put him in the Mount Rushmore of wow. uh, Philly Twitter. Wow. I gotta, wow. I got to be honest. If, if, I'm your, if this is your 200th show, and this is the best guest you could get, boy... I mean, there must be a lot of <laughs> maybe because it's the holiday week, people are already on vacation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, that's a, I'm like a, a, like a 73rd episode. You know, something to, you know, like a rerun or like something here. Yeah, but you, you you know how it is. Like certain certain weeks, holiday weeks, like you said, you you gotta you gotta call the people you know who are gonna pick up the phone. You know, like I know you're gonna pick up the phone, so that's why you know I, I put, picked up the bat signal, called you. You know, to have you on here to talk about your book, an excellent book, a Sixers Odyssey. Let me make sure I get the uh, the the tagline right. Exploring the forgotten players of seventy Sixers yesteryear. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get books. Please check it out. It's a very very cool read. Be done. We will talk, it's available. Be, be Dalton. Be Dalton. We'll talk about the book in a second, but again, we have you on the show for the first time, so we have to get into your origin story. We got to go back to way, way back, little Davy Reuter. We got to start at your blog roots. Now, you wrote this book about basketball, but you actually got your start, you know, on the, these Philadelphia internet airwaves, writing about baseball. Now, how did that come about? Yes, yeah, so I was actually living in Boston at the time, so I started the blog. Gosh, probably two thousand eight. I want to say like September and October when Phillies are really good. Everyone had a blog. There was 327 Phillies blogs, if I'm not mistaken. There, I was ranked like 324th. I was like Maryland, Baltimore County, like ninth place in our conference, trying to pick up the rear here. And I was just like writing like, oh, I want to write about sports. I watched sports my whole life there. And it's kind of my way to connect me to Philadelphia because living in Boston, uh, when I moved to Boston, uh, I moved in the first uh, week of October, 2008. So I was born in 84. I saw zero championships. And I just missed the Sixers in 83. I even missed the Hulk Hogan beating Iron Sheik. So I was like, just there. Right? Once I was born, everybody stopped winning. I moved, I moved to Boston and three excited Phillies won the World Series. And I'm like, that's it? Like, that's all it took? Like, I just had a move? I would have moved when I was 11. I would have, you know, divorced from my parents and gotten out of town if I could see like an Eagles parade like in the 90s there. So you would have been lived- like the wizard. You would have been like the wizard taking your backpack and like I don't know, leaving. <laughs> Who's my friend Savage in this? Who who is my older brother? I, I love that wizard reference there. I have seen the movie so many times. Um, and I was uh, living in Boston at the time, and 
writing was always a hobby of mine. I thought that was kind of a way to connect me back to Philadelphia. Because I even remember in 2009, uh, I just wanted to watch the Phillies, right? Like I wanted some kind of slice of home where it's just like, man, like you come home from work, you have a beer or whatever the case may be, you can just watch the Phillies. But in Boston, they're not on. So I actually remember uh, I ordered the MLB package, but I didn't tell my uh, now wife, then girlfriend. So like game one, uh, it was like the Phillies actually playing a night game, not, not like a opening season day game there. And I remember putting on channel like 726. This is like pre-HD, by the way. And, and my wife was just like, oh, my God. The Phillies are on. Like, what are the chances? You must be so happy. I go, no. Says, I know. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and, and then the next night, the Phillies are on channel 727. And she's wow. like, oh, my God. Like, what are the chances that, like, this Phillies, uh, you know, Nationals game? I know. This is crazy. And then, by, <laughs> and then by game seven or eight, she cracked the case that I ordered the MLB package, even though rent was uh, through the roof there in Boston in 2008. But I started writing because it was just a, it was a way to connect me to the city there. And mm-hmm. when I started writing, I was just writing, like, you know, current events and I would write it like the Eagles. The Eagles were playing the Falcons that day. Like I liked the Eagles minus three and a half. They probably didn't cover, but like I didn't know any better. I was just like, and then I was start writing about like just like these silly stories. Just like uh, a story at work where it says I worked right by a printer, and every day this woman would like go to the printer looking for printouts, and she couldn't find them, and she would accuse me of stealing them. Mm-hmm. So stupid. And I was just like, well, why would I just steal your printouts? I'm sitting here, but you know. That's not me. Like I'm not in the business of stealing people's papers here. So I write about that. People are like, oh, that's funny. But okay, well, maybe I need to write more about uh, my life a little bit. And then as as far as I was just like, oh, well, I'm not getting any traction writing about these current teams because there's so many great sites out there. The 700 level for popular, Phillies Nation, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So then I was just like, I wrote about Charles Shackleford. That's how I started. I wrote about Charles Shackleford because why not? And someone said like, oh, man, I remember him. I was like, oh, that's great. Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, I remember Charles Shackelford too. And then I would, like, have all these, like, grand ideas where is, I would write about these, like, crappy teams. Like, the five worst uh, Philadelphia Phillies teams of all time. Like, you know, just, like, my way of, like, writing jokes about, like, Chad OJ. It was all an excuse, right? <laughs> and then, like, that was, like, the stuff where I started gaining a little bit of traction because people were like, oh, my God, like, Chad OJ. Like, I haven't heard that name in forever. I was like, I know. <laughs> I literally have not heard the name Chad <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. And I even I even did something so crazy, and it's like I did these uh, two NCA tournament March Madness style brackets of like one the top sixty four Nintendo games of all time, mm-hmm. and the top sixty four random Philly athlete of all time. I don't recommend it because there's like six rounds. Like I wrote the first <laughs> round, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I realized there's yeah. still thirty two teams left there. So I mean, it was a labor of love. But I I, I realized Roy to like. Me writing about these random players or these random teams from people's youth—that's mm-hmm. what was starting to resonate with uh, readers. And me like telling these jokes about my life and like my childhood—that's what people were like, "Oh, that's that's good. That's funny." And I'm like, maybe that's my niche, right? Maybe that's how I kind of carve a role myself because me writing about like I don't know, like you know, House McNabb going to crack like this like, cover too. Nobody cares about that, and I don't know enough about it anyway. So like, what value am I going to add there? And uh, that's kind of the, the blog, Roy, as you know, and you're one of my, my first fans. I appreciate that. There's like you and like two other people there. Is I had a very small like fan club used very loosely, but they're very loyal, right? They certainly <laughs> kind of liked what I wrote out there. And I think that's how, that's how the blog started there. It was just more of like, hey, let's write about these random guys from the 90s, from my childhood, people that's right. resonating with people. And I, I think I was able to kind of gain some traction in that regard. Now, and, and now, Dave, how does bigger. one go? I'm oh, sorry, Dave. Now, how does one go from writing all these, I guess, haikus about Charles Shackelford into arguably one of the greatest like intros of a book I've ever? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, I, I mean, I really think this should be like. I thought this was like you, you know how like they try to remake like I don't know like I don't know scenes, but I'm I'm trying to think of what child actor would play you asking your mom. <laughs> about Charles Barkley trade because like I literally like I don't know like I I have no idea whether like this happened but I really think like you could do like Shakespeare in the park like I don't know (laughs) just kind of play this out so my mom is actually a huge sports fan my mom listens to WIP all the time and right in the 90s like there was no internet right it's either you heard about on a newspaper the next day 
or KYW, right? You got a lot of news from KYW and listen to traffic there. Or maybe you heard like at the news or you heard it on WIP. And my mom, when uh, she would drive me around when I was little, was always listening to WIP. She was always entering every contest there was. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, Steve Fredericks and Mike Missanelli to have like a uh, general knowledge and like, hey, right. you want you want to pick an NCAA tournament team out of a hat? My mom was always like calling up like, yeah, my mom, we got Georgia, <laughs> but they're scrappy, you know, like. Yeah. So it was like it was very common for my mom to like she was my Twitter. Right. You know, mm-hmm. she was my woge bomb is that my mom was just like Charles Brockie got traded. I'm like, what? For who? You better say Tim Hardaway. No. Uh, Tim Perry. <laughs> And so, like, all those stories, uh, KD, is, like, that's factual. Like, that's, like, me – that's my mom and I having these conversations. Like, when I'm, like, watching Warren Kidd in a preseason game and my mom's, like, playing Tetris on Game Boy, like, you got to wash your hands. And I'm, like, no, like, Warren Kidd, like, this is a story. She's, like, I don't care. Wash your hands before dinner. Like, those are stories that actually happen there. Now, did I, I change a couple words for comedic value? Of course. But, like, those mm-hmm. stories, like – it's hard to make up that many, right? Like I'm not that creative where I can just make up like 57 stories about my mom and I like interacting about <laughs> the Sixers there. So uh, that's legitimate. My mom's a big uh, hoops fan. She actually was a basketball referee for years. That's not, awesome. not a bad ref. Uh, not a bad ref. Sometimes she called a little bit too many blocks as far as I'm concerned, yeah. especially if, you know, if, uh, if I was in the circle and I'm set, that's a charge, but she obviously would not, Kick Tim Duncan out of a game for looking at her strangely. No, she no, she's seen it. She's she's been through. Uh, she's run through the gambit there. So <laughs> I've been there uh, watching like some coaches like yell at her or give her a hard time, and I'm just like, yo, that's my mom. So like, I'm like, not here. <laughs> we need to step outside here. I'm like, I'm not going to tolerate this kind of language here. But uh, she handled herself well. But she's a big hoops fan. She always listened to uh, sports talk radio. So it was very common for my mom to uh, break the news to me. So uh, we're talking to Dave Ruder, the author of A Sixers Odyssey. And, and some of these, for the, again, for those of you who know, who really know, a lot of these stories, a lot of the inspiration for these, uh, this book came from the series Remember That Guy from perhaps the greatest sports blog of all time, Liberty Ballers, which Dave was <laughs> one of the, uh, the, the first, the, uh, the, the forerunners of, of said blog. Um, I was there with Dave as well. And what people don't realize about Liberty Ballers is, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff that we, that we did then. It's a lot of grunt work. And Dave can kind of speak to that as well because Dave, I'm not sure if you knew, but were you were you aware when you joined Liberty Ballers? Were you aware that the Sixers and the Hawks played 17 times a season before you joined Liberty, Liberty Ballers? The only way I realized is that I got scheduled for 14 Sixers Hawks games one year, and then yeah. I started to put two and two together. I think it was the Sixers played the Hawks or the Bucks back in the Doug Collins years. They put 90, you know, 80, 81 times a year. Yeah. It was like the Globetrotters and the Washington Generals. It was like the only <laughs> on the schedule. And I only got, like, I never got the Sixers, Lakers, or. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. I got, like, it's the first night of March Madness, and everybody wants to watch, <clears throat> watch NCAA tournament. But, like, the Sixers are only traveling eight to Milwaukee to play, like, the 31 and 51 bucks. Like, that was, like, <laughs> that was my game. Yeah. I was, like. I want to watch like Duke Lehigh and I'm like sitting here like watching, uh, you know, like, you know, Spencer Hall's drop eight and six. Uh, so I don't know how we're picking these out of the hat here, Roy, or how these are getting assigned, but I think we got the roll in. No, we got, we got the, uh, yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, now I have a question <laughs> for both of y'all is, are you guys like, because you guys have run the gamut of Sixers since, I don't know, like, I don't know. Uh, I still remember my very first Sixers game was when Dr. J retired. Like, I, I mean, that's my first when I was at the Levitts waiting for, like, my parents to, like, stop looking for furniture. Like, I was in the waiting room watching Dr. J retire. Are you guys surprised on how much that that process blog era – because that's really an era like, just took off. And obviously, like, Liberty Ballers is, like, I don't know, kind of like the, the godfather of, of process blogs. But, I, I mean, what was it? that like brought it like that kind of brought in do people that frankly haven't followed the team forever and these and the new fans that wanted to follow the next vampire weekend like i, I mean it's just a weird kind of dynamic on the type of people because really like there are sixers fans i've never thought were sixers fans before yeah so i think uh 
when Roy and I wrote, we were just about, Roy may have been right around the process there, but I was certainly kind of the, the Doug Collins <laughs> themes there. One at a time, outside of 700 level, which to me, that's like the godfather of Philly sports blogs, mm-hmm. right? That They had a bunch of really good writers that covered every sport there. But outside of that, as far as Sixer-centric, there just wasn't much out there. Like, it was a really thin pool here. So I think it's a combination of there were a lot of people who just loved the Sixers who wanted something Sixer-centric, and there just weren't that many uh, weren't many sites out there. And then I think when, you know, Mike Levin took over, he just got so many really good writers. Yeah. Like, as far as, like, the, the, the writers that he got, they, they're all basically doing this for a living. Like, they're all, like, professional writers. And here's Roy and I, like, hey, Roy, like, I found this uh, this, this Evan Turner jersey on eBay. Let's write about that. I went <laughs> five words on that. Meanwhile, I got, like, Mike Ballman. Like, he's writing, like, geez, like, essays on Palmy Brown. And I'm like, oh, I'm not following that. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm tabling Roy and I's eBay post for a couple of days here. Right. I, can't, I can't follow that there. But I, I think the writing was really good. And I think the fact that, we never took the team too seriously, especially mm-hmm. the Doug Collins teams. Like yeah. we, we obviously uh, everyone on Chicago tore their ACL. So we got to the second round there, but like other than that, like where were they going? Like, mm-hmm. like the number of articles that we had to write about, like oh, Kwame uh, or upside Kwame, like Andrew Rhinum is two weeks away from like getting another update. Like exactly. if, if you can't write jokes about that, like what's the point of just being like so black and white and so just general and just kind of just bland about it there and I think that's where is admittedly, I think that's where newspapers have a tough time there because they have to kind of they're painted into that box mm-hmm. where they can't be as creative there. Whereas you have a blog, especially ten or twelve years ago, you can write anything. Yeah. Right? Like I could write a Sixers recap and like half of it be about like NBA Live and no one's gonna be like, Oh Dave, you can't write that. Like you gotta stay on task, right? This just didn't exist. And I think <laughs> the mind had when you have these these limits or there's no limits to like write about whatever you want. And you have a team that's boring, but people are obsessed with the team anyway, and so are you. It kind of gives you the freedom to go crazy, and I think that's why Liberty Balls probably took off. Yeah, and that, there. yeah, no, that that's like the first thing that, that Mike told me when uh, when I when I signed. Like I, you know, I joined Liberty Ballers. Like actually, Spike recruited me, so joined Liberty Ballers. I got there, you know, Mike shut up my account, and then I'm I'm asking Mike, Mike, you know, what should I write about? He just said, write whatever. And that was, that was basically like, you know, the only thing he ever really told us to do is just kind of write whatever. And we had, like, you know, Dave says, we had the Derek Bonders and we had Rich Hoffman and Kyle Newberg. Kyle, yeah. yeah, like we had guys who were going to do the straight and Jake Fisher. We had a bunch of dudes who were, <laughs> who were going to do the straight stuff. And so me and Dave and Tanner were like, and you are like, well, let's do whatever, you know, because it's like we'll cover all the bases. So we'll take this, you know, 42 and 40 team and just make it entertaining. Like we'll just write up, you know, write whatever. This is really like the Bill Walsh coaching tree of 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 blogs trying like to think like, i'm the smallest branch of that tree but yeah i i, I know what you're saying you got a book man now you're like you're like you're but it's like it's cool to see like guys like bodner and, and rich hoffman and like newback like guys that were just like i don't know kind of doing it for like not giggles but i mean just not as like like now it's their hustle and right. it, it shows that like if you care enough and, and 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 you strive enough, you can actually make this thing your your primary gig. Right. And I think you can see it early on. Like I think Kyle Newbeck may be the best Sixers writer there is out there. I think he's terrific. I read all the stuff on Philly Voice. And it's seen with Rich Bodner, you could you could tell right away. Like even 10 years ago, it's just like, man, they write really well. They cover the team. They know their stuff. And it's just like the cream rises to the crop. So it's just like I don't know how Levin was pulling these guys in, but like, <laughs> if you look back, like for like a random like SB Nation blog that like 12 or 10, 12 years ago, like, gosh, all these guys are doing like so well, but like they're all the super talented, right? And I think as far as if a lot of somebody's SB Nation blog, not the Philly ones, the Philly ones, the Rail, but other uh, sites I've seen there, just the writing's not that crisp, but like all these guys that wrote for the like, Liberty Ballers were super talented, so it's just. It was easy to see, but I think it was like the perfect storm is that there was no other site. And this one particular site there was, Liberty Ballers just had like these incredible writers. And then it just kind of took off. No, you're absolutely right. And and of course, one of those writers that held it down all those years is yourself, Dave Reuter, again, the <laughs> author of Sixers Odyssey. We got to talk about this book now because, look, a lot of us, Chris and I included, you know, sat around during the quarantine and all we did was, you know, just kind of eat donuts and kind of watch old episodes of Sunday Night Heat. And but you, you know, you, you have a, a young toddler and you even took the time, you know, with a young young child at home to write a book. Now, yeah. for those of you who are kind of unaware, you know, where did the idea where did where did you when did you finally sit down and say, you know what, I'm gonna put together a book about Sixers guys of yesteryear? 
So I probably had the idea while I was writing for Liberty Baller. So after my blog, I eventually just closed it down. It just it was hard to maintain it, right? Mm -hmm. To have a blog, you have to literally post every day. I just didn't have the time, right? If you don't, you're just never going to you know, uh, make any waves or kind of have anything that's sustainable there. But I knew I had this kind of this niche idea that I think could work. And I actually reached out to uh, Levin and was able to start writing for Liberty Ballers. And I was still kind of writing the same concept. Uh, these Remember These Guys were kind of these like funny essays on these random athletes there. And gosh, I honestly think, uh, Roy, you may remember this, but I organized a Liberty Ballers meetup. Mm -hmm. it, we went to Xfinity Live. You're gonna find us hard to believe, but the Sixers played the Hawks that night. I know. Really? I know. No, no, that never happens. That never happens. Al Horford had a terrible night for Atlanta, so this is all very realistic. Believe me. <laughs> and I remember, like, we went to Xfinity Live, and I got to meet some of the commentators, uh, the, the readers of the site there. And I think I like someone asked me, like, "What are you gonna do with all these essays?" I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna create a coffee table book." Like, ah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, "Oh, well, actually, maybe." <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm on to something there. And of course, like, you know, like life gets in the way. I stopped writing for the site. I kind of stopped writing altogether there. But it's always in the back of my mind here. It's just like, I probably wrote about 12 or 15 of them way back when. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was probably like end of March, early April. So we're in the middle of the pandemic here. And I'm walking my dog. And it's just like, I'm in a rut, right? Because it's like, at this time, I'd go home and watch the Phillies. But the Phillies aren't playing. The right. Sixers aren't playing. Like I'm watching Gossip Girl on Netflix with my wife. Like there's like 27 seasons. Like every there's like <laughs> these WB uh, shows had like 47 episodes. Like it's never ending. Like you're just like I'm in a bit of a rut. And I remember walking my dog, and I was just like, man, I, I gotta do something. Like I gotta occupy my time somehow. And I just I, I even said it out loud. I was just like, I should write that book. I just said it out loud. And my dog, I looked at me. He's like, hey, you should finish that book. I go, I know, Rupert, you're right. I, should. <laughs> I started writing that book. So I got home that night and I was like, well, let me just see. Like, let me see what I can find. So uh, I was able to find some of the stuff for Liberty Ballers. I just copy and paste it on a Word doc. Mm -hmm. I, I asked my brother, who's good at like finding things online. I was like, uh, remember that blog I had like 10 years ago? Help me find stuff. Because just like the platform doesn't exist. Right. It was probably like six laptops ago, you know, but he was able to help me find these, uh, these original remember this guy said I wrote way back when, and I, I put them all in a word doc uh, and it was like 6,000 words. And I was like, gosh, I probably need like, you know, at least like 60,000 words total there. So I kind of sat on it for a night and I woke up one morning or like the next morning. I'm like, you know what? Jeff Rowan. I'm going to start with Jeff Rowan because he has that famous story where he made the comeback and mm -hmm. got ran over by a luggage cart in Boston. I go, that's a, Pretty well-known story. People probably haven't thought about it in years. If they're if people are young and kind of grew up with Just Iverson, they may not know it. Mm -hmm. I go, I I think that's a funny story. I can make some jokes about it. I'm gonna write about Jeff Rowan. I'm gonna dip my toe in the water and see how it feels. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, like I wrote it and I, I wrote kind of a rough draft. And I was like, oh man, I felt pretty good. I was like, well, I'd have to write about some of the more process guys. So I was like, uh, I'm gonna write Tony Rowan. He was the second one I wrote there after my hiatus there. And I was like, okay, I read that one. I was like, oh, that turned out pretty well. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? If I'm gonna do this, I gotta do it every night. I have to do it every night because I'm one of those people. If I stop for a few days, forget about it. it. I get sidetracked. So I put my son to bed. My wife and I put our son to bed uh, around seven o'clock and seven thirty for about three, four, or five hours a night every night uh, till about uh, end of July. I was able to write that first draft every night. July fourth, I'm like having a beer, but I'm also watching like a 1993 slam dunk contest. Because Spoon and Tim Perry wrote it. Like, I'm still right. doing my research. Right. And I think it was just one of those ideas where it's just like, I want to finish because I told my dog I was going to finish. I also told my son, you know, like 6 a.m., like, hey, Charlie, when you're going to bed, I'm writing this book. And it was like, I don't want him to think I'm a liar. Like, yeah, I don't want my dog, you know, my owner thinks, you know, you can't believe a word what he says. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's not, he doesn't know what he's talking about there. <laughs> so I just kept writing every day. And then as I was writing more and more, it wasn't more, it wasn't a chore. It wasn't like, if I was going to finish, it was, okay, is it good? I knew I was going to finish here. And once I finished the first draft, I was like, oh, wow, I did it, you know? And I think as far as the editing and cleaning up some jokes and, you know, uh, you know, the research, finding newspaper articles, I think that part was the easy part. I think it was me kind of breaking that wall to say, you need to write a few, get them under your belt, and kind of build that momentum. And I think once I had the momentum, I, I think I was on to something. Now, you, again, this is 76 essays about the Sixers of yesteryear. You kind of span the gamut of, of guys. Again, you have a couple process guys, but you go back a little bit, a little ways in, in the history. 
how did you pick the 76 guys? Were these were these guys that you had a particular attachment to for some reason, or did the list kind of just come together like organically? I know you had some of the stuff you said in the can already, but for the rest right. of the guys, like how did how did you kind of you know, settle on this list of guys? So I went on basketball reference and I knew I was gonna do the Barkley years up and through the process, but mm-hmm. nothing post-process because I didn't want to write about guys who were still in the league. Mm-hmm. In case they came back, right? You know, uh, although I, I did want to write about Greg Monroe. I'm still really bitter about that Raptors series. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't work out the energy, but Greg Monroe, I was like, you know, what? I, I, I don't, I don't think I'll be. Able, I'm too biased right now, so maybe like ten years. I got you. But I start with the Barkley years. I go through Basketball Reference, and I'm like, okay, well, Hershey Hawkins isn't random, isn't forgotten, but I think I can make that one good. Mike Jaminski, the G-Man jumper. I, th- I have a few jokes about him. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Kenny Payne, absolutely, two thousand boots, definitely there. Ryan Oliver, 3D, uh, 3D, yep, you're definitely in there. Yeah. And I go page by page. And I'm like, well, I'm not writing about R- uh, Iverson, I'm not writing about Barkley, anyone do Stackhouse, Weber, et cetera. And I would go like, okay, I can make a joke about him. Or I remember watching a game specifically uh, uh, about this player. And I think that's kind of part where that was easy for me to decide, Roy, because the feedback that I've been getting isn't so much like, well, like I, I don't, I can't believe that you found some quote from – the inquire back in 1995. I think it, it, it adds to the color there. Mm-hmm. But the feedback I'm getting is, and really honestly, it's crazy. The most player that people are asking or mentioning to me is Willie Burton, the 53 mm-hmm. point game. And people are saying, man, I remember watching that game. Yeah. So when I first, first wrote to Willie Burton, uh, that was one of the first ones I wrote. I didn't include any stories about myself because as far as I was concerned, I'm not well known, right? Like, I'm not a professional writer there. So like, why would people care what like this guy Dave uh, was doing or watching? But after I wrote the first draft there, I was like, man, like it's just it's missing something. Mm-hmm. But I've, I remember watching that game, right? I remember watching that game with my brother. I remember watching that game and my dad falling asleep on the recliner. My dad has never like stayed awake for any night sporting event ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Eagles don't play at one o'clock and by four, forget it. He's out. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune is on. He's out like a light, right? And I just remember watching that game and like my dad waking up because we're screaming because Willie Burton's going bonkers. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I think readers will appreciate that as from a fan's point of view, right? Like they'll read that and say, man, I remember watching that game. Right. Or I remember Manu, you know, hitting six threes against Phoenix. Or I remember James Anderson going bonkers against the Rockets there. And after I wrote the first draft, actually, most of the stories that are in the book uh, from my life or watching a game – or after the first draft. The first mm-hmm. draft was pretty vanilla as far as I'm going to do research about these guys. I think there's enough entertaining stories or interesting stories about these guys. But after the first draft, I'm like, man, I think that's why people like my blog. That's why people like my stuff on Liberty Ballers because I wasn't afraid to like, hey, I remember watching this game or I was doing this or like the mm-hmm. Rex Walter story about my brother right. playing their basketball, right? right? Yeah. That's the one that people have really kind of resonated to. And I was just like, I'm not going to shy away from that. Uh, with that being said, I know this is long-winded, but and correct me if I'm wrong here, Roy, and you, mm-hmm. you probably know better than me. I wrote about Tom Chambers. I had no idea Tom Chambers was on the Sixers. I completely blacked that out from memory, and he played one game, but I went to basketball reference, and I was going through year by year and like writing names down, and I thought Tom Chambers, I thought it was like a typo, or like it was like some like Dutch player, like Yom, <laughs> like Yom Chamber, who like, I just don't remember I was drafting there, but did you remember Chambers was a Sixer? I, I- could not. I I don't remember like I didn't I don't remember watching the game. I remember a few years ago. I think probably we were doing some kind of deep dive for something we were doing for Liberty Boss. I, I remember coming across his name at some point, him being a Sixer. I don't remember that time at all, Chris. I don't know if you remember. Because uh, I, 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 I was obviously like I, I mean, love Tom Chambers as like a player, and <laughs> I still remember that this was probably preceded like the most innocuous like one day stint as a player like like Rasheed Wallace on the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I mean, like this, I, I just, I don't, rem- like, like what year was this? What, was it 90s? Or, or no, was it, like, like what jerseys was, was this? Was this 01? <laughs> no, this was 1997. So I think actually this may have been the first year of the black jerseys. This yeah, was the first, yeah. so it, was, it, was the first, it was the first year of the black jerseys, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, Larry I, Brown's first year as a coach. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I just, I, I mean, really, like, like telepathy. I just remember this, this six ten Caucasian man rocking this jersey, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, no, like these are like one of the things that, like, because I just remember, like, that's the only thing I'll remember about the Tom Chambers jersey. He wore the black jersey. That's it, right? 
But here's here's the thing though. It's like like I remember like I remembered Casey Shaw. Like I re- I remember Ryan Miner and Mark Hendrickson. Like I remember those guys. But I don't, this guy's like Randolph era. Yeah, like That's, I don't remember I Tom Chambers. <laughs> and Tom Chambers was good. Yeah, six ten Caucasian guys. No, yeah. like but no, but I think more than any sport or team, there are just these pockets of Sixers Sixers freaks, and I'm one of them that just remembers the most innocuous plays. Yeah players like i i mean there's no reason people should remember christopher johnson but i <laughs> i will remember christopher johnson starting at point guard against the milwaukee bucks and i'm and i, I just remember being like how in the world is this man starting at point guard for a professional basketball team? that was when i knew that like the process was like because me and roy have had arguments about like that's when i knew that was like okay they go and 10 toes deep on this tank because there's no reason Christopher Chauncey should be playing point guard right now. It's, it's amazing that the, the process is how quickly fans gravitated toward. Like they knew mm-hmm. everybody because even in the process years, I was, I, I was certainly pro process, but I was not somebody who was just like, I need to know like what Chris Johnson's shoe size. I was just more of like, they stink. I know they're going to stink, but mm-hmm. there's like a greater good. But like you had people that were like, everybody like we need to sign so-and-so we need to get him to like the the, the blue coats like asap like <laughs> he like lit up like uh you know the whack at cal Saint santa barbara like the gauchos and i'm like eh, i don't know if he's gonna be like a legit player but like by all means you know send him down to delaware but people like throw right in like all of these guys i was just more of like what's our draft pick like you know, who, who am i scouting and like, sometimes you kind of have to you know gloss over a few pages there but it's crazy how the process how many not so much more fans, but how more fervent fans became. Yeah. Like they, they, they just went like nose deep into everything about these guys. And I was just like, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you sort out the, the 37 guys on a roster, but like, are we picking second this year? We got the third pick. Like who, you know, like I'll take Simmons, you know? Yeah. It got, a, it got a little weird, you know, probably towards, you know, the end of your era with LB and kind of like the middle to my era of LB. Cause you know, when you have like, 17 posts in one week about you know Kendall Marshall. It's like, I mean, how many, how, how much can oh, we really God. argue about this? Oh, I mean, it's, right. it, got, it got a little crazy. Oh, I swear to God, that was when they thought you brought in left handed kid. Like, I, I, I mean, and I, think I still do, and I think he might have mm-hmm. played 3.7 games. <laughs> yeah, so it got, it got a little, it got a little wild out of it. That's why, uh, you know, I, I you know, kind of like kind of gravitated toward more towards the older, you know, the pre process era kind of kind of people because again. We didn't get kind of we didn't we're gonna get crazy in the in the blog posts and the uh, in the message boards. I know you I don't think you dove too too much in those message boards though, Dave. Did you? No, uh, not so much. It was more of just uh, right the Liberty Ballers. I would comment on seven hundred level. I don't okay. comment on LB there, but for the most part, because it got crazy, right? Yeah, crazy. It got crazy. I even remember from like uh, so, Katie Roy and I would do this bit, and we actually called it "No One Reads This," which was Roy and I finding stuff on eBay. <laughs> that time this is like i was still around for the process here everyone they just wanted to talk prospects like that's why derek bodner blew up because derek bodner was watching the game film like yeah. derek bodner could have wrote like his grocery list and got like three thousand comments there where mm-hmm. roy and i are like dude we found these sixers cufflinks and like nobody cared but even like the comment section on our post just turned <laughs> into like all these random prospects like all like these like, potential <laughs> picks here and i'm like did anyone even read this or anyone to scroll right down and just be like hey did anyone see like that pacific uh byu game last night like that pacific you know small forward like michael condi's cousin looks pretty good there and i'm like no 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 read roy has some funny jokes up here scroll up scroll <laughs> up but like it was just, like that's why like, like bodner's like blew up because like people were just like they were digesting any sort of like scouts you know drafts any sort of draft talk they could yeah, no, no. Bonder gives you that again. We're stay here for the Casey Shaw talk because again, we, we got the guys that, that you really want to talk about. I know right. in, in, in your book, again, you have 76 different stories. Did you, were you surprised at any story that you found a lot of, about, you know, one of the or two of these guys? Because I'm, I'm sure, you know, you probably knew the general backstory of most of these guys. But like, you know, when you're doing your research, like, were you kind of surprised at some of, some of the stuff you came across? Yeah, for sure. I would say for one, and maybe you guys knew this there, Ron Anderson, right? Mm-hmm. The everyone's favorite six man the greatest wristbands of all time here. Ron Anderson didn't even play high school hoops. The guy, he graduated high school and was working at a grocery store and was just like playing pickup with his buddies. And they like entered some like, you know, this local tournament. And like one of his buddy's brothers played at uh, some community college out West and like saw Ron Anderson play. I was like, you should come out here. Mm-hmm. And like, he went out there and then transferred to Fresno state. Like 
how many everyone knows like this story about Jordan getting cut from his varsity team, but like how many NBA players like didn't play on their high school team? Like right. that's that's a really a small number of people there. It's like that story uh, jumped out because he had a pretty lengthy career, Ron Anderson, right? Uh, got probably nine or uh, eight or nine years in the yeah. NBA. Um, I also like the writing about Greg Grant, right? Division three Trenton State there, a local guy there, like to be five seven and a Division three player and to make it in the NBA. I knew his story, but just reading about it again, yeah. I, I think that kind of stood out there because, like, man, he was talking about having these long odds there to stick around for the league there. And I love Greg Grant as a kid because when I was a kid, I saw this really small player. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm, like, three foot six. You know, this guy is, like, four foot two. Like, look, look at him dominating out there. Right. So, like, to see guys like him uh, jumped out. Uh, one of, like, the – one of the guys that I kept going back to, but I actually wasn't going to include uh, in the story was, uh, or in the book, was Stephen Hunter. Because Stephen mm-hmm. Hunter, it was just like, how many of these uh, big men who didn't like realize their potential could I possibly write about? That's like 48 chapters of the book there. <laughs> but oh, I kept, the, like, oh, oh, it's the athletic, like 6'10", right. jump out of the gym. Block with everything. No, right. With no other discernible skills. Right, it'll have he'll have like the greatest highlight package of all time. But like, if you need him to play twenty five minutes a game, forget about it. You're gonna be disappointed there. So I kept like writing about Stephen Hunter. Should I write about him? Like, and that was kind of like that was the years when I was in college. So like, I wasn't I didn't go to school uh, local, so like I couldn't watch as many games as I normally would there. But I remember reading like Stephen Hunter's like Wikipedia article, and it mentions the Sixers trading him, but then he fell to physical. And I was like, huh, I vaguely remember that. And then I found like the newspaper articles about that. And it was basically like Stephen, uh, Billy King signed Stephen Hunter to a five year deal because mm-hmm. why not? If you're going to lock up Stephen Hunter for five years, Katie, you got to do it. And stop me, you heard us before about three months in. They're like, oops, we may have made a mistake. So they traded Stephen Hunter uh, to the Hornets. And then you have an open roster spot. They traded him for two second round picks. So when he was an open roster spot, Obviously, KD assigned Zander Hamilton. Of course, what other yes. options? So Zander <laughs> Hamilton is now on the Sixers. Oh no! By the way, one of my uh, all-time favorite um, college teams ever with him and uh, and uh, Phil Phil Lopez. Yeah, right. This this Johnny this Hamilton was on our team a couple of different times there. So I'm like reading all his articles, and like, it's almost like I'm reading it for the first time. Like mm-hmm. the Stephen Hunter felt physical was like kind of like bringing back uh, you know bringing back some memories. But I'm like reading these articles like one by one, day after day, and Billy King's like, I don't know why things didn't work out. Like, <laughs> you know, we thought we had something with Stephen Hunter, yada yada yada, just didn't work out. You know, sometimes it's hard to explain. And then all of a sudden, Stephen Hunter fails his physical, and next thing you know, he's back on the Sixers. And Billy King's like, Oh, we didn't even want to trade Stephen Hunter. It was just about the cap uh, flexibility. Yeah, that's great. But in the meantime, like Zen and Hamilton's like, no, 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 you got to get him out of here. Like, I got a job now. Like, what's Stephen Hunter doing back here? Like, <laughs> I already have his locker. Like, I've already moved in. Like, you know, rub some dirt on his knee and get him back out to New Orleans there. And I just like remember reading those articles. I was like, man, like, what a weird random story that probably, unless you're really obsessive and really a diehard, probably completely forgot or had no idea. Like, what a fun story where I can really make funny. Like, cause mm-hmm. it, it's, and I think that's one of my favorite chapters in the book. I do some bit where I, I write an email to my family and friends, like saying, like, <laughs> I know everyone's concerned yes. about the Stephen Hunter, you know, felt physical. Don't worry. I'm here. I'm going to give you all the <laughs> updates. Stick with me, you know, you know, at my hotmail account for all the latest updates there. Right, right. And that's one of my favorite chapters because this is guy that probably wasn't going to be in the book, but through like the Wikipedia articles, like, oh, and the, you felt a physical on a Sixers trail. Like, oh. And next thing you know, like it kind of snowballed from there. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the email thing because I did want to mention that. I do appreciate the uh, the, the the Twitter throwback to the nine year old Dave with the tweets, um, throwing the tweets in there. I, I appreciate those little bits in there that you kind of throw in there because, again, because these are the kind of things that I would expect you to tweet back, you know, back in the day. No, when I read that part, I thought about that song, Four Page Letter by Aaliyah, instead of <laughs> this email by Dave. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think it's like a, the tweet I, – I, I think I mentioned a few times in a book is how in the 1990s – and the Sixers obviously, you know, especially the Barkley, Iverson, those bridge years, we were terrible. But in 1990, without like social media, like you could like you can get away with anything. Like the, mm-hmm. the terrible trades, like even the Tom Chambers trade, I think uh, it was a guy that jumped over the car without looking at the book. Like Marco <laughs> Milch, I think. Marco, Marco yeah. Yes. We just drafted him like 32nd overall in the second round. 
And like three months later, we trade him for like a 38 year old Tom Chambers played one game with us. Sixers Twitter would have killed Larry Brown today if we'd done that. We would have killed him. Like this 30 second pick, you know, like we would have had him under control for four years on this great rookie deal. And we're like, nah, we need a 38 year old like power forward. Sixers Twitter would have killed Larry Brown for that. So I think it was easy for me to like all these crazy stories happened in the 90s. Like, mm-hmm. what if there was Twitter, right? Like, what if people could react? How would they react? So to me, that was like an easy uh, next step. That was an easy evolution there. Because I would read about this, some of the stories. Like, John Lucas were just killing his guys. Like, in yeah. the media, he called Sean Bradley and Sharon Wright the two most expensive assistant coaches in the league. And, like, I read that, Roy, and I had to, like, look away. I was just like – did, did someone check in with Bradley's family here? Like that, that's harsh. That's like, and it's just again, like if if Twitter was around, they that would be on like uh, you know Skip Bayless's show. That would have been on like PTI. Like man, like the coach is just ripping these guys. But in like 1995, it was just like an in inquire, like in, in an article yeah. on like three. Like it was just like it was just it was just kind of commonplace. And so stuff like that, it was easy to be like, well, what if that happened today? Right. I think I, I think I get to have some fun with that. No, that, that's that's a very cool, very cool add to that book. Again, we're talking to Dave Ruder, the author of a Sixers Odyssey, exploring the forgotten players of Sixers yesteryear. Again, available wherever you, you purchase books online now. Dave, I know you caught a lot of heat because there's a couple guys in this book, a couple guys on this cover that are probably too good to be on this book. You know, Hersey Hawkins, maybe Clarence Weatherspoon, if you want to argue that. So let, let's 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 let me let me play editor for a second. I'm going to take a couple yeah. of those good guys out. All right. Throw a couple couple names in that didn't make the cut. A couple guys that you would throw in there if you had to take out those two good for the book players. Give me a couple guys you would throw in the book. You know what? It's funny, Roy. Is I settled on seventy six because it made sense from mm-hmm. a, from a symmetry standpoint there. But at first, I just started writing because I, I kind of had this word count in my mind there, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I'll I'll really get to sixty thousand words. I ended up writing at eighty five thousand, uh-huh. and I, then I, and then I actually uh, cut it down about five thousand words there. And actually, four guys did not make the cut. They were on the bubble, and mm-hmm. I couldn't even—I couldn't even get them in a playing game in Dayton here. So, <laughs> if you're a big Stanley Roberts fan, I'm, I'm really not. sorry. If you're a big uh, Gerald Honeycutt fan, my apologies to Harvey Grant. Uh, I'm sorry, and there was one other one. It was uh, Richard Dumas, mm-hmm. and uh, Richard Dumas had a hard time because of substance abuse. There, it was hard for me to try to. Be funny about that so just like you know that's not that's not even worth it there stanley roberts i was able to have some fun with uh harvey grants uh obviously um uh, jeremy's father there but uh, those were four that i cut out some of the process guys roy i wanted to but gosh i was almost scared because i didn't want twitter to be like i can't believe you trashed james not only or, like, or something like that there <laughs> because they're because they're so obsessive about like somebody's process guys there's I don't know if there's anyone from the '90s, like Derek Austin. Seems like he should have been in the book. Like, <laughs> he, should, he should have been in the book. He should have been. He was, was yeah. terrible. You really do have this affinity towards towards three and D guys before three and D was, or or, or a three and no. Those are those are the best video game guys. I mean, oh, those oh, are yeah. Really, no, yeah. Those <laughs> the guys that that, that look like three and D guys, but probably could do neither. <laughs> Everyone's a three and D guy, basically. I think I wrote that about like KJ McDaniel's, where it's just like everyone like played basketball when you're going with like a kid who played like soccer, and they mm-hmm. played like in like the black Adidas uh, Zambas there, and they played like in the hard shorts, and like they were like the fastest people on the team, but like, couldn't do anything on the court. Like they right. were three, they were the original three and D's. Like, oh, watch out for Adam; he can fly. Hasn't scored in six months, but don't worry if he figures that jumper out. You know, he, we got a lockdown defender. Like, I think like everyone in 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 some form or fashion is probably a three and D guy there. So, uh, Derek Austin is like one of those guys. Like, even now, I don't know why he's not in the book. He's basically like tailor made for this book. But uh, I think it was just more. Of, I wrote eighty, and I was like, man, I should probably cut it down there. So, a couple guys, maybe just. <laughs> so you you got to you got to put out the deluxe edition. And again, I, I don't want to you know like you know you know put words in your mouth, but I mean, if you want to go outside of the players, if you want to go out, I mean, I would appreciate a chapter on like John Gurvich. Like I would appreciate yeah. that. I mean, like mm-hmm. we, we could go outside of the, of the, of the, of the arena themselves, because again, we can all relate like you and I and Chris, like we can all relate. We all grew up watching the Sixers on, on sports channel, you know, in prison, you know, and 
you know, PHL 17, like way back in the day. And that's, that's the kind of thing we can all kind of relate to these stories. Like you said, the Rex Walter story, you know, you and your brother playing Nerf hoops. Like that's the kind of, to me, that's the kind of pull to the book because we can all relate to these kind of things because right. we were all there. Like, you know, we grew up in different parts yeah. of you know, the, the, the country and the state or whatever, but we, we could all relate to these same stories. Yeah, no, no, you definitely hit your demographic, which is like, <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't know us. Like, I don't, I don't want to use the term old, but like, I, I mean, no, like it really did. Like, I don't know because there isn't much contact directed towards dudes in their mid thirties or forties or dudes and dudettes mm -hmm. in their mid or it, mid thirties to forties. So, I mean, like, and the only request I have is I hope this is not your, 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 your final four way in, in the book industry. Cause I would like something equivalent to this with another one of your passions, uh, uh, sports entertainment because I think I, that like if you can write nine-year-old Dave Twitter about like I don't know like Tatanka that would <laughs> you know my target demo is just YouTube so like, oh, there, there you go I just I just wanted to make sure that you guys read it and liked it everything else is just gravy at this point there I was like well what can I write that'll make Roy and Katie laugh I'm gonna spend eight months working on it and hopefully uh, and hopefully I, I pass the test well, I, I appreciate that. You know, please thank your wife for me because, again, I appreciate it because, again, she had to, like, loan you out for a few months for you to write the book for, for me and Chris. Um, I appreciate that. But but seriously, man, we'll get to the, to, to the funny stuff in a second. But a lot of people who listen to this show, listen to the station, you know, they're interested in a career in media and, they, you know, they're thinking about writing a book. And you wrote a book and you self-published this book. And I'm sure, again, it was a labor of love and all that stuff. But it's a lot of work. So right. for people out there who are thinking about writing a book, thinking about publishing a book and kind of going down the same road you did, like, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I would say one, this is so simplistic, but just write, right? Mm -hmm. you, you have to, right? And going crazy, writing four to five hours a night, that's probably not realistic there. But every day you're going to say, I'm going to take an hour. And even if just researching, even just throwing some ideas on a piece of paper, you have to get yourself in some sort of consistency, in some sort of like regiment where you can write this. If you take three or four days off, that's my biggest fear. I just yeah. thought I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to finish. I would just stop. Um, and one, you just have to, you know, love what you're writing about, right? And now's the thing is when I would like go on like uh, read these old newspaper articles, I really enjoyed it. And like when I would be up at 3 a.m. watching Armand Gilliam highlights, literally there's nothing in the world I'd rather do more than that. Like, <laughs> and it, it's, it was certainly a labor of love. And, you know, as far as, you know, the editing and the, the bibliography and the work cited there, like that was certainly a uh, labor intensive there. But as far as writing it and just knowing like writing a joke that I'm like, man, I think people are going to laugh. Like to me, that was worth it. Right. And mm -hmm. I think it was something that this was certainly a passion project of mine, but I really felt that people are going to read it, especially people that don't know people that don't know me. Right. Like yeah. it's one thing like, well, you know me like, and if, if you didn't like it, I hope you lied to me. Right. But it's the people <laughs> that don't know me, the ones that are like, you know, tweeting me or reaching out saying, man, like I read your book. I loved it. Or man, I just started reading it. Like this chapter cracked me up there. And I, I think that's when I was writing it, that in the back of my mind, there was more, it wasn't like, Oh, maybe I can sell X amount of copies. There it was, man, is, can I write something that people will like, can I write something that people uh, we'll enjoy reading there. So write every day. You have to kind of create some sort of schedule for yourself. I mean, just enjoy it. Just enjoy what you're doing there because I know it's cliche, but I think the journey was kind of you know more important and more entertaining for me than the destination. No, no, absolutely. And again, for the, the journey for all the, the, the product of your journey was entertaining for us. Again, like, I, like you really, like you, you put put together an excellent book. Like I just like, you know, like, you know, congrats to you. I mean, I, you. I know this is a labor of love and I know that, you know, you kind of did it for yourself that people would like, but I, I just want to let you know that a lot of people like it. And, and I saw the responses you got that you're still getting on Twitter about this book. This is, a, this is an awesome book. Um, again, we recommend it to everybody. A Sixers Odyssey, exploring the forgotten players of Sixers yesteryear. We cannot have you on the show without asking you a very important question. Talk to me. We got to talk about this because, again, you are a wrestling aficionado. Chris Domingo, a wrestling aficionado. Yes. I have to ask you a question on the show. Dave, who is your favorite wrestler of all time and why is it Shawn Michaels? Oh, come on. Come on. on. Come on. Talk to <laughs> I, me, man. Talk I would say me. Shawn Michaels is definitely my second favorite rocker. Behind Marty Jannetty. I think uh, obviously the number one answer, the best wrestler of all time is Brett the Hitman Hart. If you want to say Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is 1A, I'm not going to quibble with you. Shawn Michaels is definitely in my top 30. I mean, nothing to be ashamed of there. Like, wow. uh, you know, like wow. Shawn Michaels, if, if, he, if he was a college football team, 
he's probably playing in the Motor City Bowl. You know, maybe gets Ball State. <laughs> Nothing to be ashamed of. Mm. You know, that's a December 27, 3 p.m. bowl. And Shawn yeah. Michaels is going to have – he'll probably perform pretty well there. But if you want to talk about the BCS playoffs and the main events, it, it, it's, it begins and ends with Brett the Hitman Art. I would you know, love to know what what like I would love to see little little Davy write about that that masterpiece between Owen Brett and his brother Owen and just like I don't know like like just the just the massive amounts of feelings that 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 this young man had when 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 Owen just wrapped oh like I don't know I, I forget how that match ended I think he rolled them up maybe uh, that was WrestleMania ten yes. 10, yeah, uh, when Owen won, and then Brett won in the steel cage at uh, yes. SummerSlam 94 there. Actually, KD, at my old blog, there's probably no wrestling event I've seen more than WrestleMania 3. I've seen WrestleMania 3, I would say, I'm not exaggerating, you know, 3,000 times. And on my old blog, I actually started writing about WrestleMania 3. But even back then, like, YouTube obviously was around, but, like, not prevalent where, like, everything was on YouTube. Right. I was actually writing it from memory. Like I was writing about like Don Morocco and Bob Orton versus the Can-Am Connection opening match just off memory because I've mm-hmm. seen it so many times. And I was like writing jokes <laughs> about that there. And I actually – I didn't finish it. I think I posted like a handful of matches because there's like 12 matches. Yes. It was like <laughs> – it, it was getting a little long-winded. I think I may stop at like uh, the King Kong Bundy Hillbilly Gym uh, and then a little person's match there. But uh, I did – I was when I started writing about that, I didn't even like look at any research. It was just like me like – I had like every move, like every commentary from uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. I had it like ingrained in my head there. And I just started writing it. I think I had like 7,000 words, like a match and a half in, like Billy Jack Kane's Hercules. I'm like, Dave, (laughs) (laughs) who are you writing this for at this point? Like, I don't think like, I think even like your biggest blog fans, like all six of them are probably like, dude, you got to step away here. Go out for a run, you know, get a hobby here. So, but that's probably the event I've seen the most time in my life. I do. Roy, obviously, I think Shawn Michaels is a terrific wrestler, one of the best in the business. Thank you. But I also think that if you're a Bret Hart fan, by law, you can't like Shawn Michaels, right? Oh, it's, no, it's a fact. Yeah, like I, yeah, I, I, cause I can't like Bret Hart. I mean, Bret Hart to right. me, you know, it's like a mid card wrestler who gives glasses to kids. I mean, it's like whatever. Yeah, you know, no, like, I mean, like, like over over this fifteen year friendship I've had with Roy, because I was I was kind of a Shawn Michaels hater, circa right. oh three. Always like I don't know, like I don't know, even with the whole born again stuff, like I don't know, thought he was like a loose cannon. Like I, I, I mean, like who else just shows up in his like Calvin Klein boxer briefs and starts like I don't know, like a gyrating. But like I don't know, the attitude era, man, it was allowed. <laughs> no, but like over time, and like honestly, like like the like the network has kind of showed me, like I, I, I mean, like I, it's really like impressive that his second act is probably better than his first act. And, right. but I think people like, I think, cause he was just so naturally gifted in his first era, but he was still putting on classic matches. Like, I don't know. Sure. And, and, and thankfully, like, I don't know, like, like the series finale of like the Sean Brett, uh, Grey's Anatomy, like drama, like, like ended, like, I don't know, like the way it should, like, I don't know, like they all hugged it out. So, right. but no, but that would have been a one, like the event that I would love to have been on Twitter for would have been the Montreal Screwdrop. Oh, it's crazy. I think the fact that Brett, the way, obviously, the Montreal Screwdog happened, and then how disappointing his career was in WCW, yeah. and then he gets a concussion from the gold. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, to me, that was, like, I actually read Bret Hart's autobiography years ago. I thought it was terrific. And I, I kind of felt sad for him there, is that, like, I don't think he wanted to leave. He obviously no. hated John Michaels. X, Y, and Z happened there. and But his career in WCW was so disappointing. Yeah. Right? It's like, meanwhile, Shawn Michaels has a second act. He has a great match with The Undertaker there. And it, I think probably Brett's probably like, man, like that could have been me. Been me. Right? Yeah. Brett, in 1997, Roy May called him mid-carter, which I think a lot of fans do, but I'll let that slide <laughs> because of the holidays. But Brett was obviously still a very good wrestler there. I think he still had a lot of good years left. But WCW at that point there, once you got in 98, 99, was just a complete train wreck. And it's just it's just a shame that, like, Michaels still had another you know, state of his career where he was elevating, and then Brett just kind of fell off the cliff there. Like, 1997, like, that was it. Like, that's like that's kind of how he goes out, which is kind of yeah. disappointing. Yeah, no. Th- th- no, for me, I think for th- it's one of the top five for me what ifs. Like, right. what, if, what if Brett stayed? Like, right. I don't know. Like, does, like – 
Like, I don't know. Like, obviously, like, I don't think that company goes public. Like, I, it really is. Like, I don't know. Like, and people want to say it's a work. I don't think it's a work. I just think it's just like almost serendipitous, but to the to the detriment of Bret Hart because his career, like, it, it's like he left his heart in Stanford. Right. I said, and it, his angle where the anti-American and he would get cheered in Canada, I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes. From, from a, a heel gimmick to have that organically happen where every city in America would boo this guy. Right. But they want to have these like in your houses in Canada, like Austin's getting booed out of the arena. Like that's yeah. brilliant. Like you can't draw it up any better than that. And like to have like this like white hot angle and this great gimmick. And like you actually have like the Hart Foundation with like a legitimate stable. Like you don't mm-hmm. have like, like that was like something at like the WWF uh, just didn't have at that point there, like other than like the Hina family years ago to like have like a legit heel hated stable and like have all this heat. And then it just kind of ends like that. It's just, you like, can't man. forget about the Hart Foundation with Danny Davis because oh. like really, no, because like seven year old Chris Domingo thought Danny Davis was the most corrupt person in the, on the, in the world. Like, and I, I don't know. You're like, like, right. Absolutely right. I mean, like, what, what, like, what, corrupt what? referee. Like, I, I don't know. Why is he <laughs> trying to, why is he trying to mess with my boys, Davey and Dynamite and Matilda? Right. That's all. Don't touch Matilda. Don't. Touch <laughs> Matilda. I'm talking to you, Islanders and Bobby Heenan. Leave Matilda out of this. She doesn't concern you. <laughs> Oh, man. We're talking to Dave Ruder again, the author of A Sixers Odyssey. Um, again, we could talk, you know, basketball and wrestling with you all the time. Actually, you know, we have two minutes left. So let me ask you, you know, let's no, go we back to get some current, like, yeah, let's get go and talk current some, events. Some current events because, like, yeah. maybe we could do some rapid fire. Like, gotta, I don't know. All right. We got to keep it really brief. We got two minutes left. So let me ask you really quick, Dave, did, would you trade Ben Simmons for James Harden? Yes. I love Ben Simmons, but yes, our, your job is win a championship, right? Your job is when to put him in Embiid and say, stop us. Yes, I love Ben, but yes. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're a reasonable man. Like, let's Okay, let's say you can do the trade. Do you think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can eventually grow into a duo that can win the Eastern Conference? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right. I do because I think they're putting pieces around them. Mm-hmm. That well, I think the pieces that Maury's brought in is so exponentially better than what they had in years past there, or up last year anyway. Whereas you, you need to get shooters around them, I think they have the roster to certainly win the East. Championship, I don't know, but yes. Okay. All right. Let's switch gears and talk football. You got to pick a side. Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, who you got? I'm the biggest Wentz apologist, and even I have to admit that he has been, he has been terrible this year. It's like Carson Wentz like, like got visited by a magic genie, and he's like, you have one wish, and Wentz is like, I want to turn into like Markel Fultz's jump shot. Like, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what happened this year, but he's terrible. He's been terrible. And if if Hurts is legitimate and he's on that current contract, yes, it's got to be Hurts. I don't know. I don't know how you get rid of Wentz, but it's always you know like 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 um like a Brock Osweiler deal, right? Like yeah, you're no, exactly, Hurts. exactly. Yeah, no, like I don't know. To so make this all full circle, when I thought about Carson Wentz before this, I thought about when someone lost his smile. That's yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. Any any comment, Roy? Who's 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 this Jose Lothario? That's all I need to know. Who's the Jose Lothario in this situation? I, I, is, I it really Frank is it Frank uh, Reich? Is it Frank Reich? Yeah, no, no, no. It is like, and and, and I think we need like a sixty minute match, uh, a sixty minute like I don't know marathon match between Jalen Hurts and Doug Peterson and Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. There you and, go. And, and let's see who can pull out the best rollout. <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of rollouts, again, Dave is in the midst of his book rollout. A Sixers Odyssey, exploring the forgotten players of 76ers yesteryear. Dave, really quick, can you let the people know how they can you know, follow you on Twitter and, and catch your catch your goings on on the internet? Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Where's Ben Rivera in honor of the 1993 Phillies fifth starter, Ben Rivera, who was banished in 1994, never heard from again. Mm-hmm. So if you do know where Ben Rivera is, tweet at me. I'd love to know. I've been trying to track him down for 25 years now. <laughs> and uh, the book can be found anywhere, anywhere uh, online, any online retailer. You should be able to find it there. But uh, yeah, follow me. Follow you guys. You guys are great. And Thank you. Go Birds. Go Birds, as always. Again, great stuff, Dave. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate Thanks, it. We got to get out of here. Mr. Domingo, take us out, please. Happy holidays. Oh, sorry. Uh, Happy holidays. No, we're still on holidays, right? There you go. (laughs) We're still on holidays. We're still on holidays. (laughs) See you guys.
together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. The outcome of an opioid emergency may depend on a quick response. Accidental overdose can happen anytime, even if the opioid pain medicine is prescribed. Due to COVID-19, emergency services could be slower to arrive. Get prepared. Get Naloxone, a potentially life-saving reversal agent with no prescription directly from your pharmacy. Having Naloxone available allows you to respond first, not a substitute for emergency medical care. Learn more at opioidsafetyplan.com. That's O-P-I-O-I-D safetyplan.com.